Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ask IoT series on the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, the editor-in-chief of IoT for All. I have Mark Bielis co-hosting with me again today. Hey, everyone. There you go. This is episode number 10, and I'm very excited about today's show because we have Mohammed Afani, the founder of Novel Bits, joining me today on the show. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, Novel Bits is a company focused on being the leading resource for learning everything about Bluetooth low energy. And on a personal level, I think Mohammed is someone I can relate to um, greatly, even though he probably is way smarter than me when it comes to technology and technical subject matter. Um, and it's probably going to teach me a ton to tell in today's episode. He truly believed in the value of building and sharing resources to educate the market on important topics. That is exactly what he has been doing over at Novel Bits. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mohammed to the show. Thanks for taking some time to connect with us today. And I'd love for you to kind of start off by taking, you know, 15 to 20 seconds to, you know, introduce yourself to the audience and kind of tell them what you're all about. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm very excited to be here. Um, so my, my background is uh, in electrical engineering, but I've been working on embedded software and firmware my entire career. In the past uh, six years or so, I've been focusing primarily on connected devices and wireless technologies, and more specifically, Bluetooth Low Energy or BLE. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a space that I'm really passionate about, not just for my business, but also about how it's impacting my day-to-day -day life. Sure. And on a personal level, I'm a husband and a father of two boys, and I love playing soccer and volleyball. Nice. How old are the boys? Uh, they're seven and nine. Oh, nice. Perfect age to be playing soccer. I played mm -hmm. soccer yeah. all through college, yeah. so I remember those days. It was great. Um, could you? I'm, I have a couple questions like lined up here, but I wanted to start on something you just said, which is, you're you're very passionate about how BLE um, kind of impacts you on a personal level. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Not not related to your job, but kind of outside of that world. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, BLE is used in a lot of devices. Uh, some people may not even notice it, but a lot of the fitness uh, trackers yep. use BLE uh, to connect to your phone, and that's uh, that kind of relates to me at a personal level because uh, about five years ago, I decided uh, that I was overweight and I needed to lose weight. And I bought one of those Fitbit trackers and it helped me lose about 32 pounds in about three months. Wow, congratulations. And that was all because, yeah, thank you. It was, uh, it was pretty challenging. I mean, diet is a big part of it, but having the Fitbit uh, motivate me on uh, reaching my steps and uh, the daily steps and the weekly and the company I used to work at uh, had a challenge where people would compete on getting steps and getting cash actually right. in return for uh, for being on the top at uh, the top of the uh, of the list. So that's pretty neat. I've seen some apps out there that kind of do something similar, where if you connect either your phone or a Fitbit type mm -hmm. device um, to an account, you kind of compete with people all over the world, and depending on if you maybe stay on the schedule that you set. Um, or, you know, reach a certain amount of calories burned or weight loss that you get, you know, gift cards or discounts on things, gym memberships, all that kind of stuff, which I think is very, yeah. yeah. I saw a funny one that was yeah. actually the exact opposite. You put like a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars, whatever you want to do towards a cause that you actually don't support. <laughs> and if you're not meeting yeah, your goal, that one. if you're not meeting your goals, you end up donating money to this cause that you like, right. find, <laughs> which I think is a good motivator. I feel like you should have with a pretty good incentive. Your friends pick the cause for you because you kind of like uh, hack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like if you're one, maybe one political, you you you, know, you lean one on political way. way yeah. yeah, you have your friends say no. You're gonna um, donate your money to the opposite <laughs> campaign if you don't meet your goals. So maybe more. Incentive. It's yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's good. 
Um, so one yeah. of the things I go ahead. You have something, something there, Mohammed? Yeah, I was just going to uh, touch on that. The social aspect is pretty big in terms of uh, you know keeping goals and getting uh, towards uh, achieving those goals. So yeah, and one thing you said earlier again, this is not really related to IoT, for, for instance, but about how the diet's been like a big big deal for you. And I've kind of just changed mm-hmm. my diet up to to eat a lot cleaner at dinner, and then also been trying the time restricted eating which was very tough initially, but like cutting out sugar and then only eating between during an eight hour window has Absolutely. been fascinating for me. Um, I'm trying the same thing, except I'm consuming all of the sugar that Ryan isn't consuming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody else has to, because it's, it's, it's one of my favorite things to eat, but I mean, it, it does make a big difference just cutting out something as simple right. as sugar. Um, <laughs> all right. That's enough of a tangent there. So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because after I was looking really into novel bits and all the resources and content you create, you know, really relates well to kind of what IoT for All does, you know, educating the market on different technologies. And um, we did that kind of in a response to the lack of quality IoT content that we saw out in the world. Everything that we were coming across was very dense, writ- or, you know, it was written for one target audience in mind, and usually that was engineers. And for us, we always mm-hmm. believe that um, the people like more people need to understand the value of IoT and what it can do for them and their organization for IoT to really explode. So it seems, at least from my initial understanding, that you have may you may have encountered something similar in your experience and maybe what led you to create novel bits. And I'm wondering how accurate that statement is. And if you could give me a little kind of insight into to the, the the experience you had, what led you to build this company? Yeah, sure. I mean, in a way, it, my experience has been similar, uh, but maybe with a slightly different twist, I would say, because see, my, my I'm an engineer myself, and even though uh, there are many resources out there targeting people like myself. I found that the information is one of two. It's either very dry, very technical. For example, looking at textbooks and official specification documents. And those resources can be very lacking in terms of the practical side of things. But then you have other content that's very practical, but only covers the high level and is usually targeted at hobbyists and makers. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there's nothing wrong with hobbyists and makers. It's just I saw that this leaves a gap serving the engineers who are doing this full-time, either at their own companies or at their day jobs, working on products that may need to be manufactured at scale. Right. And that's where my company came in. And I wanted to fill this gap and provide the resources and knowledge needed for engineers to learn BLE and implement it in real-world products. Now, for the moment, I am focused primarily on BLE, but that, that will likely change in the future as I expand my business. Absolutely. I mean, you're setting kind of the foundation for a template on what kind of content resonates exactly. with these kind of with this audience? And if you just you know adjust to now focus on a different topic, you know it, it makes the the switch that much easier. And we found the same thing kind of with IoT for all. One of the things I am curious about is through your interaction with your audience, have you seen any individual like group or title or maybe even industry that's been most interested in learning about Bluetooth, or has there been someone or 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 some kind of vertical that has shocked you to kind of find out that they are, are really interested in Bluetooth and so, you know, really consume your content and get a ton out of it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many applications out there that uh, use, uh, that are interested in BLE. Um, with Bluetooth Mesh, it's, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that maybe uh, later on, but sure. with Bluetooth Mesh, it's opening up a lot more opportunities and you're seeing a lot more applications in uh, more smart buildings and uh, things that Bluetooth couldn't do before, um, especially when um, it expands range. And uh, 
actually one one client that I did some work for uh, recently uh, came to me and he wanted to prototype uh, an application that's used by mountain climbers uh, because of the introduction of uh, long range mode in Bluetooth 5. Now that's uh, it's possible to have two BLE devices communicate over a range of up to about one kilometer and that's line of sight though right um but in 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 that with that kind of range you can open up to possibilities for something like that he wanted these two devices to basically send uh, pre-canned messages to each other uh, but be able to work in an open environment so line of sight is uh you know it's achievable in that kind of environment so that was kind of an interesting um project that i helped uh, develop uh, as at least prototype uh, so th- those kinds of projects come up uh, and pop up all 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 um, all the time, and uh, there's so many different applications that come up. Uh, so there's not really a specific one, but uh, there's different verticals that are trying to use BLE. Mm-hmm. Great. So uh, as we discuss BLE, Bluetooth in general, other technologies mm-hmm. uh, like Bluetooth Mesh, is there any way you can take us through those three technologies specifically, Bluetooth generally, BLE, and Bluetooth Mesh? and uh, explain to our listeners what each of those mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll try to summarize this as much as I can because it can go on. But uh, so they, they all fall under the same brand, Bluetooth, but there are basically two types of Bluetooth uh, to be uh, aware of. The original Bluetooth that we currently use in audio streaming and headsets is often referred to as classic Bluetooth. And this was the original Bluetooth that was introduced in the late 90s and is best suited for streaming applications. And then there's Bluetooth Low Energy, or what's commonly known as BLE and sometimes called Bluetooth LE. This type of Bluetooth was introduced in 2010 in the version 4.0 of Bluetooth. And it's targeted at lower bandwidth applications, such as an IoT. And these applications usually transfer smaller amounts of data infrequently and uh, in bursts and need to consume as low power as possible. Uh, the interesting thing is that the official Bluetooth specification document includes both BLE and classic Bluetooth. So when you talk about Bluetooth versions 4.2, 5.0, or even 5.1, which was recently released, you're actually talking about a common version that applies to both classic and BLE. Uh, the difference uh, why BLE is becoming more common and more common specifically in the IoT space is because in the past few revisions of Bluetooth since 4.0, most of the updates and focus have shifted to BLE, which is why you may hear some people say Bluetooth 4.0 when they're really referring to BLE. Mm-hmm. Um, and bec- because of those big, uh, there's also big similarities between the, the two kinds of Bluetooth. You'll see that many chipsets actually support both, especially when it comes to laptops, tablets, and mobile phones. Now, Bluetooth Mesh, on the other hand, is completely new specification that was released in July of 2017 but it's built on top of BLE. So it requires the use of a BLE chipset. And in mesh, most of the devices in the network can actually talk to each other directly, where in traditional BLE, you'll have a network that's similar to Wi-Fi, for example, where you have what's called a star topology, and you have some devices can only go uh, transmit data to each other through a central device, which is actually called the central in BLE uh, terminology. And can you quickly just, uh, in a couple of words, explain key use cases for all three technologies that wouldn't apply to another? So yeah. A traditional Bluetooth use case that wouldn't work for BLE and the same for Bluetooth Mesh. 
Yeah, so a classic Bluetooth is the audio that you uh, connect uh, when you hop into your car and you connect your phone to your stereo system in, in your car. That's using classical Bluetooth, and it's currently not feasible using BLE. So that's why it's uh, it's still using the classical Bluetooth, the original. Uh, as far as Bluetooth mesh, for example, if you want to have uh, two devices um, or more than two devices uh, that expand the network and be able to um, increase the range of a network within a building uh, where you don't have to install many central devices because those usually use more power and they require more processing power as well, then you would, you would use something like a Bluetooth mesh network. And the main use case of Bluetooth mesh uh, and the focus for the initial release of Bluetooth mesh is for lighting systems. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that it's restricted to lighting systems, but they use lighting systems as the foundation for creating these devices. Uh, because with even though Bluetooth Low Energy is all about low energy, when you install it in, uh, with Bluetooth Mesh, there is a requirement on some devices to consume a lot of power. So in that case, when you have light bulbs um, embed BLE chipsets in them to create a Bluetooth Mesh network, then you don't have to worry about power consumption. And when you have that foundation of all these devices within a building, you can start adding those low-powered sensor devices at the edges and all around the building. And those uh, tra transmit the data through the light bulbs that have um, the, blue, the, you know, the, the, the devices that can run on power and uh, stay on, keep on the radio the whole time. And that lets you create a whole mesh of um, the network and be able to communicate with all these devices um, over the whole building, and, if that makes sense. And shifting a little bit towards the future, um, talking about Bluetooth 5, what common use cases will you expect BLE, uh, Bluetooth Mesh, Bluetooth 5 to be used for in the future? Yeah, so currently the initial uh, release of Bluetooth Mesh does not use any of the new features of Bluetooth 5. Uh, which the main features of Bluetooth 5 included uh, long-range mode, and then there's a high-speed mode that uh, enables up to 2 megabits per second data rate. And the last one was increased capability of uh, advertising, and uh, that was targeted at beacons, um, beacon technology. So really, the Bluetooth 5 enables uh, a couple of new things, I think. Um, long-range mode is uh, a big uh, feature that was introduced and enables... Uh, transmitting data across uh, open wide range areas uh, that was not feasible with BLE before. But then the high speed mode uh, is very interesting because it enables more streaming applications in the future. So there is talk about transitioning all the audio that happens over Bluetooth Classic to become over BLE. And mainly, I think in the beginning, it will happen in more uh, devices that don't cons uh, have to stream a lot of data, but uh, think, for example, hearing aids or maybe uh, headsets, and then maybe transitions into like actually music streaming. Uh, in terms of Bluetooth mesh, I see the biggest applications and the major ones come in in uh, factories and industrial applications in the factory automation space, as well as building automation space in the smart home market where it competes with the likes of Zigbee and Z-Wave and Thread. That's great. Um, so one of the questions, I guess, for a follow-up to that, earlier you mentioned about how BLE is, you know, really focused on IoT. Can you kind of break down why why it's, a, you know, kind of more aimed at the IoT space and um, kind of educate the, the listeners on, on those reasons? 
Yeah, so it's uh, BLE when compared to Bluetooth Classic, it uh, is, is much simpler in terms of the architecture and allows you more flexibility. Um, with Bluetooth Classic, there's only a few number of profiles, uh, which is what the Bluetooth SIG calls them in the specification. And if you are not using any of those profiles, then you're kind of stuck. The architecture is not very flexible. With BLE, it's more flexible and it allows the, the developer or the manufacturers to tailor how it's used in their application. Uh, so there are standard profiles in BLE as well, but you're not tied to them. So you have more flexibility and there's a lot more options as well for devices to um, turn off the radio for longer periods of time, which achieves the low power. And that's uh, in compared to with uh, Bluetooth Classic, which uh, I'm not really, you know, an expert in Bluetooth Classic because I really never worked with it other than looking at the spec. But what I know is that Bluetooth uh, LE has a lot more flexibility in terms of uh, being able to transfer smaller amounts of data, stay asleep for longer to achieve low power right. and uh, be able to uh, stay on batteries for a longer time. Okay. And this is actually probably a perfect segue into our Ask IoT questions because the first question we have in here, which you've kind of partially already answered, but it'd be great to have you talk a little bit more about it, is at a high level, what use cases um, is BLE ideal for and probably not ideal for? And if you kind of you know, talk about sure. that, that'd be great. Yeah, so anytime that you have an application where you want a mobile phone to connect to a small embedded device, whether it runs on batteries or not, BLE makes a perfect choice in that case. And it's by far the only low power wireless technology that's embedded in the overwhelming majority of smartphones. So if you think about Zigbee, Z-Wave or Thread, none of those exist in the smartphone. So BLE is the only one that allows you to connect out of the box with other devices uh, that need low power uh, wireless technology. So that's in addition to the fact that um, with time, iOS and Android now both provide high level APIs that make BLE connectivity uh, relatively simple. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite use cases actually of using BLE is as a means to configure devices. So configuration usually does not require a lot of data transfer and having a mobile application to be used for that is a great way and makes it much easier for the user. So for example, if you you could use BLE to transfer your Wi-Fi credentials to a device that needs to connect to Wi-Fi and take that and compare it with having to enter a 20 digit passcode on a device with small buttons and a tiny display. And that's what it makes it very- uh, That's what Apple has already enabled, right? With Wi-Fi sharing? That's happening through BLE? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Apple does not share a lot about what uh, what they use BLE for, it's, you know, we, we know Apple's pretty secretive, but BLE is very, is used in a lot of things in Apple devices. And think about like when you continue, when there's a lot of the handoff stuff that happens between two devices, uh, like your iPhone and your MacBook that uses BLE. Um, some of the things as well as like AirDrop uses BLE, uh, but it's in a non-standard way, which is great because you can use BLE in a non-standard way without having to violate the spec, mm -hmm. um, which is that that's really the flexibility and the power of using BLE. And so now for sorry, other other yeah, consumer use cases like tile are also BLE, mm -hmm. um, but moving yes. more so into the uh, industrial IoT space, what sort of products have you already seen uh, being developed with BLE? Yeah, so s similar to Tile, uh, the major industrial applications that are becoming more 
or using more uh, BLE include asset tracking. Uh, for example, in a manufacturing facility, you need to track uh, different machines or different uh, devices that are mobile, as well as in the same as like in hospitals where you have to track uh, equipment. Uh, that's the main use case that I've seen in um, using BLE and those kinds of uh, applications. Um, other other industrial applications could be like um, automated control of machinery, uh, where you have maybe a gateway device that acts as a, a control device that connects to multiple BLE devices and allows maybe connects to the internet and um, either transfers sensor data, but also maybe allows you to control those BLE devices that are located in the manufacturing facility. Awesome. Let's move to the second question we have here it is, what is the best way to decide between different wireless technologies for an IoT solution? Sure. So I, I believe the best way is uh, to start with a comprehensive comparison between the different technologies that exist out there and list each of their capabilities and limitations um, where they relate to the requirements of the product that you're working on. So these could include the cost per chipset or the module, uh, certification and licensing costs can really uh, end up being a lot, uh, depending on the technology you choose, uh, range as well, power consumption, and the achievable data rates. Sure. And one key factor that I believe sometimes is neglected is usability. So, for example, knowing how your device will be used by the user, by the end user, and the environment it will be used mm -hmm. in should, I believe, uh, you know, be important things that could influence the choice of the wireless technology used. Absolutely. It heavily influences kind of what you need in order to make it successful. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, so the next question we have relates to 5G and the impact it's kind of playing on the market. So the exact question is, how do you expect 5G to influence the current connectivity market in the IoT space? Curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I, I think 5G has the potential to be very disruptive to the industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, it promises many benefits that have the potential to even as far as kill some of the existing wireless technologies. But I admit that I'm, I may be biased, but even in the world of 5G, I still see BLE playing a big role in the future of IoT as well as uh, some other technologies as well. I, I believe that, you know, with any of the wireless technologies, I don't think we are going to see one uh, sole winner sure. in this in this race, but rather a lot of these technologies will be able to solve one one problem and uh, you know coexist with each other. Uh, but right now it's kind of a mess. Yep. I mean, you you when you go to choose something, you either have to like choose something and just one over the other, or you have to choose a chipset that supports all of them, and you you just kind of uh, have to support everything just to cover your your case. Um, but in, in some of the, the reasons that I see BLE, um, for example, 5G not affecting it is connectivity with zero data usage costs. So with 5G, obviously, you're going to be paying uh, some amount of money, uh, whether it's monthly or yearly, to cover some of the data that's transferred. Um, there may be privacy concerns. I'm not sure about uh, how secure um, the 5G network will be. But if you want to make sure that everything is private between you and a device or between two devices, then BLE is a perfect example for establishing point-to-point -point communication between those two devices. Yeah, one of the things you, you kind of mentioned in that in that explanation or in your answer is that there are going to be other technologies that are going to be at risk with um, to be possibly killed by 5G. Which ones do you think they are? 
Uh, that's a hard question to ask. I think. <laughs> Do you see any that are maybe more at maybe that are more at risk per se than than others? Yeah. So I mean, I've heard. Uh, so I haven't really dug much into the cellular technology, uh, but I hear a lot of uh, talk about whether LoRaWAN is going to, uh, you know, be killed by five G or not. Or, and I, I think it's mainly not. Um, some of it, I I believe, relies uh, or is due to more of. Uh, some of these technologies being more proprietary and not open like uh, cellular technology and as well maybe not being as global because they are owned by a private company sure. and just bringing this back to uh bluetooth for a minute 5g next generation of cellular what do you expect or want to see in the next generation of bluetooth specifically for iot sure so uh, in the long term, I expect to see BLE specifically to replace classic Bluetooth when it comes to audio streaming applications. And who knows in the future, it may even uh, become feasible for video streaming. Although right now uh, it, it's not as possible for high quality video streaming. But with, with Bluetooth 5, uh, for example, the support for higher speed mode of two megabits per second, that's enough, I think, to satisfy some of the requirements of many of the audio streaming applications. And the benefit of BLE over Classic is that it's more, it's simpler and more flexible in terms of design. And some of the things that I would like to see in the future, uh, future versions, is more standardization for use, more use cases and applications at the user level. Uh, like I think we mentioned before, there are a number of standardized profiles that address common use cases. But if you can't find one that satisfies your system and products requirements, then you have to implement your own. And we see this a lot with a lot of these wearables and smartwatches that uh, when you can buy from uh, Alibaba from China, some of it may be um, due to the companies wanting to stay proprietary and they implement their own. But in many cases, when the developers design their own implementation, they may end up ignoring some important aspects such as security and user privacy. For sure. Yeah, no, I, um, those are all great, great answers to these questions. I really appreciate, appreciate the time to, to kind of run through them and, um, you know, at least personally, I learn a lot about this this technology through these conversations. So it's great. If there was one thing you wanted to kind of leave our audience with um, before we kind of get into talking a little bit, you know, or ending with um, you know, plugging some of the books and some of the content you created, is there anything that you would um, kind of leave a message maybe about BLE uh, with our audience? Yeah. So I, this is more maybe general for IoT developers, yeah. but. Uh, if, there, if there's one thing that I've learned, and it was the hard way as an IoT developer, it is to not spend too much time reading up on the theory and the specifications of a technology that's new mm -hmm. to me, but instead go to implementation and development as fast as possible after learning the basics of the technology, of course. Uh, with, with Bluetooth, and it's probably the same for other technologies as well, that there's one specification, but the implementation and development varies significantly between one vendor's platform and another. And those are challenges and knowledge that you won't, you know, get past until you actually start developing and testing on real hardware. That's perfect. Appreciate that. Um, yes, before we yeah. before we kind of wrap up here, I know we were talking before we got on the air about some of your books and some of the content you have. It'd be a great chance to kind of just like relay the overall objective of those pieces of content and um, where people can find those pieces of content and how they can connect with you if they have any questions after this episode is over. Yeah, absolutely. So currently I have uh, two books uh, that are out. Uh, one is more of an intro to Bluetooth Low Energy and the, the title is Intro to Bluetooth Low Energy. 
It's uh, available directly through my website to buy as an ebook, but it's also available on Amazon as a paperback and as a Kindle version. Okay. Uh, the second one that's uh, that's a short book that is perfect for somebody starting out and just learning about the technology. Now, if you are more of a developer that's looking to develop applications based on BLE, I have another developer's guide that's uh, specifically for about Bluetooth 5 and Bluetooth Low Energy. And that is available on my website as well. Uh, my website is uh, novelbits.io, or I have an easier name uh, that you could type, learnbluetooth.com. And I reserve that name so it makes it easier to, to mention to people. But um, that developer guide is targeted towards one specific platform from a company called Nordic Semiconductor. Uh, Nordic, uh, I tried out different platforms before deciding to go with Nordic's uh, uh, development platform. Okay. And Nordics was the most, uh, you know, developer friendly and the easiest to use, um, as well as providing you a free license to an IDE, which compares to some of the more expensive uh, commercial licenses. Gotcha. And so that's why I focused on that one. And that book is more targeted towards developers and includes source code and application and uh, examples, and as well as video tutorials. As okay. Well. And if people have questions, kind of to follow up from here, is there a the best way to reach you is it through your website through twitter you know what will be the best way if people kind of listen to this have questions or maybe even read your content and have questions about it um you know during after prior to possibly buying one of the uh, the books or consuming the content yeah so if you go to learnbluetooth.com there is a contact okay. form there and it will email directly okay. and i i usually i always encourage people to connect with me on linkedin i'm very active on linkedin and I like connecting with people and uh, learning more about others and how they're using BLE. Okay, great. Well, you know, I really appreciate you taking time to be on this episode as we, you know, as Bluetooth continues to evolve and we see more use cases out there, we'll definitely have to have you back on the show to talk about them a little bit more in depth. Um, yes. And other than that, I think, Mark, you have anything else before we kind of wrap up? Here? No, this no. was an incredible conversation. Okay, Thank you. Great. Yeah. So um, we'll make sure Thank we link you. up all this information in the description of the episode so everybody can find out how to connect with you, read your content, um, you know, possibly buy it on um, on Amazon or through your website. And unless there's anything else from your end, you know, again, we appreciate your time and we look forward to having you back on uh, in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity and it's been a yeah, pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Mohamed Afani, the founder of NovelBits. In this episode, he does mention a few of his resources and books that he sells and was kind enough to offer an exclusive discount to the IFA community for either one of his books if you purchase it through his website. And I'll be sure to link this information up in the description of the podcast if you're interested. Now, please remember that our ultimate goal is to provide you with as much value in every piece of content that we create. So hopefully we're able to do that here today. If so, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And if not, we would love to hear your thoughts on ways we could improve. Also, if you have any questions about anything related to IoT or maybe for one of our guests specifically, please use the hashtag AskIoT or tweet us directly at IoT for All, and we'll be sure to review the question and hopefully have it featured on one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening.